Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. From Mamma Mia, hi, I'm Claire Murphy. Welcome to The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. We heard the news recently that Pfizer had released data from clinical trials that showed their COVID-19 vaccine is safe for 5 to 11-year-old kids. Pfizer has announced that its vaccine is safe for children ages 5 to 11. They will seek emergency use authorization within weeks. This is the news so many parents have been waiting for. Pfizer out overnight with the first look at a vaccine they say is safe for children. But realistically, how long might it be until all of our children are protected by a vaccine? And what about the littlest ones of all? Today, we're going to take a look at kids, COVID and the vaccine rollout to see whether sending them back to school without a jab is really the best idea, even though they're not considered at risk of developing a serious illness. Last week, New South Wales locked down parents breathed a collective sigh of relief when the state government announced that children would start heading back to school a week earlier, on October 18. But while that will come after 70% of that state's over-16s all being double vaccinated, many of those children will be returning to the classroom without a jab in their arms. Some parents will want to send their kids back as soon as the doors open. Some will be concerned about the state of the pandemic at that stage, some won't send their children back out into the world before they too can get a vaccine. And then there's the children in states which have had closed borders and no real exposure to any of the COVID variants doing the rounds as yet. They're facing the possibility of a new year with increasing case numbers, possibly for the very first time since the pandemic began in 2020. As more and more of Australia rolls up a sleeve and gets vaccinated, giving them the protection required to keep us from ending up in hospital with the more severe symptoms associated with COVID-19, restrictions will ease, borders will start to come down and more children will be exposed to the virus. So when will they get vaccinated? On August 27, the Australian Technical Advisory Group on Immunisation, ATAGI, recommended the eligibility of the Pfizer vaccine be expanded to children aged 12 to 15. And in early September, the TGA announced the provisional approval of the Moderna vaccine for adolescents aged 12 to 17. But what about younger children? Well, late last month, Pfizer released the results of a trial of their vaccine on children aged 5 to 11 which showed it was effective in creating antigens against COVID-19 as strong as it does in teenagers and young adults, with a much lower dose. It also showed similar or even fewer temporary side effects, like a sore arm after the vaccine jab or a fever and achiness in the days following. BioNTech were working to get approval in the US by the end of September, but the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, called for both Pfizer and Moderna to expand their clinical trials to include more children to pick up any possible rare side effects, like the heart inflammation a very small number of people experienced after the Pfizer jab. 
Approval could come later this month, as the FDA will meet in the next couple of weeks to discuss vaccines for children and boosters for adults. Our government has also asked Pfizer to seek approval here in Australia for 5- to 11-year-olds to get the jab, saying that if they do, we could start to see that age group get their first doses by the end of the year. Moderna is currently enrolling younger children in their vaccine trial, offering jabs to babies as young as six months old. Moderna's chief medical officer has said that they could get provisional approval for children as young as two to get vaccinated by the end of the year to give parents of kids at childcare or preschool peace of mind. Back in August, Moderna confirmed that they were considering Australia as a test site for kids as young as six months, but that hasn't received approval from health authorities here at this stage. But with the focus being on the hospitalisation rate and death toll amongst older people, have we overlooked the risk of our children contracting COVID-19? Professor Mary-Louise McClaws is an epidemiologist with expertise in hospital infection and infectious diseases control based at the University of New South Wales. Professor, we keep hearing this argument that if the vaccines are safe, why haven't we given it to children of all ages already? Why do we hold off on giving it to kids when it's already okay for adults? Children require a different dosing of vaccine, so that has not been studied yet. The FTA approved testing of messenger RNA vaccines in May this year, and the Pfizer and Moderna were running trials to ensure that the vaccines they've developed for kids as young as six months to five are safe and effective. Can we talk about messenger RNA-style vaccines for a moment? I was talking to somebody the other day who's really concerned about giving them to his daughter because there's this conspiracy theory going around that it rewrites your DNA and he's really worried about what that means for her future. What exactly does an mRNA vaccine do and does it actually do anything to your DNA? I think what they're worried about is the term RNA. And what they need to understand is that a tiny piece of RNA is taken from the spike of the virus, not the whole virus, just the spike, so that our body, when it's injected into our body, our body recognizes this tiny, tiny little piece. It's like the recipe, and our body builds antibodies to that. So that RNA is so tiny, part of a virus that never makes up a full virus, can't affect our DNA because it's viral. It's not human. It's not animal. It's viral. And even if it were animal, it couldn't either. So it's part of a recipe. It's a bit like part of a recipe for a cake. You don't get the whole cake. You just get how to make the cake. And therefore, this can't impact our makeup. The other question about vaccinating children that I've been hearing quite often is if kids aren't really getting sick from COVID-19, why bother vaccinating them at all? Won't they just be fine? What's the benefit of vaccinating little kids? Look, I hear that all the time and it's quite interesting. So let me explain that we do vaccinate against rubella. And why? Because it makes them ill. It takes them out of school. They take a while to get better. And also, they could pass it on to a pregnant woman, and a pregnant woman could get very ill, but also her fetus could be very badly affected. 
And we don't see that anymore because we don't see circulating rubella. Now, it has a reproductive level that's similar to Delta at about six. So we also vaccinate against whooping cough. And yes, that does cause admission into hospital. We don't often see whooping cough outbreaks very often, but sometimes we do. I think the last big one was about 2016 when there were 440-odd admissions, and we believe that that's big enough to worry about. So if you put that into perspective, if kids get Delta, then just recently 184 were hospitalised in New South Wales from age 0 to 9, and 252 age 10 to 19, and that includes the 10 and 11-year-olds that still can't get vaccinated for COVID, were also hospitalised. So they don't get hospitalised very often compared to 3,080-odd adults that have been hospitalised in New South Wales. However, it does cause illness It does cause kids to become sources to other people who haven't been vaccinated or who are immune suppressed to have cancer. So you don't want kids themselves to get sick or to risk the idea of having long COVID. Now, long COVID is unpredictable and there's very varying experiences of long COVID. And sometimes I think it's difficult to truly identify just how frequent long COVID is in kids, because mostly people who have been into hospital are followed up for how well they're doing. And therefore, if they still have symptoms for 12 weeks after they've been discharged from hospital, they're included in a data set of people who have long COVID, and that could include kids. But if kids aren't hospitalised, they're not followed up. And if their GPs follow them up, they're often not recorded into a data set. So kids could still be suffering from fatigue, depression. And we have noticed that, or the scientists have noticed, that depression is a common factor that is linked with fatigue after a respiratory infection, and certainly after COVID. So you don't want kids not to be able to kick a football or go and play with their friends or go and do a netball or just run around as we expect them to. It's like rolling a dice. You don't want to gamble with children's long-term good health. Just to be devil's advocate for a moment, part of that argument about not passing it on, we're being told that you can still catch COVID when you are vaccinated. You can still pass on COVID when you are vaccinated. So we can't really include that in the argument, can we, about children not passing it on to other people who might be more vulnerable? Yes, children still can and do pass on Delta. This is very different now from non-Delta strains, where children were often the last in the chain of a family cluster. But we've seen down in Victoria with child care centres and schools that they don't always catch it from their families and they can spread it to other kids and to other people. Now, they're probably not yet spreading it to other people outside their friendship circle because we've all been in lockdown. But once we lift lockdown, 
if kids are exposed to the virus who can't get vaccinated because of their age, because the FDA in America and the TGA in Australia haven't looked at the safety and immunogenicity data for kids yet to start vaccinating the young ones, then we need more adults to get vaccinated so that kids aren't exposed, so they don't acquire COVID, so they then don't become a source to other children and to other adults who may have cancer or other immune disorders and become very sick or pass it on to their grandparents who have been fully vaccinated, but because they're elderly, they haven't elicited a very strong response to their vaccines and they could be hospitalised if they catch it from their grandchildren. This is not the first time in our history that parents have been scared of a virus that could potentially harm their children. In the 1940s and 50s, when polio was at its worst, the virus known to infect younger people, killing some and leaving others with lifelong injuries, parents were terrified of allowing their kids to associate with others. But once the polio vaccine was licensed in 1955 and rolled out around the world, the virus has all but been eradicated. The same could happen with COVID-19 given time. But until then... How do we deal with the fears we have in sending our children back out into the world? There will be a real concern, and it's based not in anxiety, it's based in reality. If parents of kids going back to school aren't vaccinated and they have early stage of their contagious phase, they can pass it on to other parents who've only been partially vaccinated or to kids who haven't had access to vaccines. And so we really do need to encourage every parent to get vaccinated, not just for themselves, not just for their children, but for everybody else's kids and for their friends as well. Vaccines is very much a social responsibility and that's why you mostly get vaccinated. There's only the occasional vaccine that protects just the individual, such as tetanus, but lots of vaccines is because we want to protect ourselves, but also the herd the community. So I would ask as many young people as possible, particularly those that are young and have kids, please get vaccinated so that you're protecting not just your family, your extended family or friends, but everybody else that has anything to do with you either vaguely and directly through school or in the community to get vaccinated to look after our very precious treasures, our kids. That's the quickie for today. This episode was produced by myself, Claire Murphy, and our executive producer, Siobhan Moran-McFarlane, with audio production by Ian Camilleri. And if there's a news story you'd like us to check out in a little more detail for you, you can always find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or Mamma Mia Podcasts on TikTok, or you can shoot us an email, thequickie at mamamia.com.au. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures.